Tonight I'm going to begin with two thoughts. The first one will be spoken very quickly. I'll not spend a long time on this one. The second one will take just a couple of moments to develop, so I trust that you'll be patient while we work through this, and then we will uh, get back to it in a little bit. But the first thought that I want us to think about tonight has certainly been true of me, and I would assume that it has been true of many of you, and that is, is that as I have grown older, there has certainly been a shift and a change in my desires and my wants. Would you say that that's been true of you as well? That as you have grown older, maybe you might say it like this, as I have matured, what I want and what I desire out of life has certainly changed. I think if we could go back and look at what we were when we were 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, and we could remember what drove us or what was of importance to us, we'd probably look at that person and think, what a knucklehead. You were worried about that? That was important to you? That was what drove you? That was what mattered to you? I think most of us today, we would say, you know, over the years, my desires and my wants and, and maybe what gets my time and attention, that has certainly changed and, and I would trust for the better. I thought of it like this, that it doesn't take near as much to entertain us as it once did, and it takes a lot more to impress us than it once did. I told Susie yesterday, I just love our back patio right now. Total old man. I love it. Just go back there, sit in the chair, listen to my wind chimes chime, listen to the birds, and just look at my grass. I love it. And I could spend hours out there doing that. So no doubt for me and probably for you, desires and ambitions and wants in life have changed. So that's the first thought. Now here's the second thought. And again, it'll take just a few moments to develop this. But at different times in preaching or maybe just in conversation, you have heard me talk how Susie and I like to go walking with each other. And this is something that we have been doing now for several years. And the main motivation behind it originally was this, and still is for the most part. We want to keep busy. We want to keep our bodies in motion. And if we can get a little bit of exercise while we're doing that, then obviously that is a good thing. And so we've been doing this for several years. And you know this as well as I do, that when you do something for a while, you learn some things. So we've been doing this now for several years. So here are some things that I have learned in these walks with Susie. More times than not, the greatest desire in our walk is this. Just get it done. Just get it done. Are we walking two miles tonight or are we walking three miles? Eh, we probably ought to walk three miles tonight, but let's just go. Let's just get it over with. Let's get it done. So not a whole lot of excitement in those walks, not a whole lot of yippee about those walks. You, you know what I mean, right? We're just getting it out there. Just get it done. Get the exercise. Keep the body active. And let's just be done with it. So that's one thing I've learned is that most of the walks are just done out of necessity and let's get it over with. However, on these walks, we have had occasions like this 
where it turns more into a stroll than a walk. It's not that we intended for it to become a stroll. It's not that we intended for it to, to kind of be different in its approach than in previous walks. But over the years, we have found ourselves just walking hand in hand, strolling, talking about God's blessings in our lives, God's blessings on our church, memories we've made, talking about the kids. Totally different feel, totally different atmosphere, so to speak. We're not just going through the motions. It's somewhat special and somewhat more meaningful. I've learned this about some of our walks. Sometimes everything about the walk is ideal and exactly what you would want it to be. The weather is beautiful. The wind is perfect. It's just one of those walks where you get done and you say, man, that was nice. It's just a good, good walk, and we enjoyed it. And then we've learned this about our walks, at least I have. Sometimes it seems like every condition for the walk is against you. It's cold or it's hot. It's windy or it's completely still and you're getting no breeze and no air movement at all. And it seems like every step we're taking is just tedious and boring and sometimes even painful depending on the day. So we've taken these walks over and over and over again a lot of times we're just getting it done because we know it needs to be done. Sometimes it's special and enjoyable and more like a stroll. Sometimes everything is favorable and, and in our favor, and sometimes it seems like everything is working against us. Now tonight as we think about that, as you're in Hebrews chapter 11, I want us to think about this truth. That as you and I read through the scripture, we are introduced to an untold number of characters. There are so many characters listed in the scripture that a lot of them we don't know just a whole lot about. Now again, you know this as well as I do. Some of the characters, we get a pretty good glimpse as to what their life was like, and we know quite a bit about them, but, but, but some people we just don't know a whole lot about them. And tonight we're going to look at a character that does not have much said about them but here's what I want us to think about is that the fact that they are listed in Hebrews chapter 11 tells us this. They must have been a pretty amazing person in the realm of their faith. Because Hebrews chapter 11 is dedicated entirely and completely to those who exemplified and personified great faith while they walked on this earth. And so as we come to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to jump down to verse number 5. And the character we're going to read about tonight is the one by the name of Enoch. And so here's what it says in verse number 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. 
And so here's what the writer of Hebrews tells us about Enoch, and this is one of the few things that we know about him, is that Enoch did not die, but rather he was translated. So one moment he was alive and on this earth, and in the next moment, however God chose to do this, Enoch was in heaven in the presence of God. So he is one of two characters in the scripture, the other being Elijah. He is one of only two characters in all of scripture that did not experience death. And again, why God chose to do this in the life of Enoch, we don't know. But apparently Enoch was a man of great faith because he is in this chapter. But notice what else it says in verse number five. It says, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So we understand what a testimony is, right? It's a person's reputation. It's a person's name, basically. So what the writer of this book or of this chapter tells us is this of Enoch, that as he lived this life, before he was taken into glory, he had this testimony, he had this reputation that he pleased God. So what does it mean whenever it says that Enoch pleased God? It just means this, that he brought joy and gladness to God, or that the life of Enoch gave pleasure to God. Now think about the, the significance of that statement, that the manner in which Enoch lived his life, it brought joy and it brought gladness to God. It gave God pleasure to see the way that Enoch handled himself and conducted himself on this earth. That is an amazing statement. I mean, think about that for just a moment in light of your own personal life, in light of your own testimony. I, I thought about it as I was preparing the message. I wonder if it could be said of me that my testimony is one that pleases God, that brings him joy, that brings him gladness. Is my life something that brings God pleasure? That's a pretty powerful question if you'll really think about it. Does my life please him? So we know of Enoch that he was a man of great faith. We know of Enoch that, that though he was translated and entered into glory in a special, unique fashion, before he left this life, his testimony was such that he pleased God. Now that in mind, turn back to Genesis chapter 5. And Genesis chapter 5 is where we're originally introduced to Enoch. And I know that this is going to be a familiar verse of Scripture to us. We'll begin reading in verse number 21. It says, And Enoch lived six or sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And so it tells us that after he had Methuselah, he lived another three hundred years. Then it says, And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. Then in verse 24, here's what I want us to give attention to. It says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So in verse number 24, the last part of it, it just explains what we read in Hebrews chapter 11. But in the first part of the verse, it simply says this, And Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. With God. 
Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that is a simple, simple statement. But it is an important statement. In the 365 years that God gave Enoch on this earth, the testimony is not only that he pleased God, but that he walked with God. Like Susie is my companion, like Susie is the one who accompanies me on my walks, it could be said of Enoch that as he went through life, his partner, his company, the one who, who was with him through his life was God. Now, I know that this isn't exciting. I know that this is pretty basic. I know that this is very elementary. But I want us to think about the question or the thoughts that I opened up with tonight. And I want us to consider this question that where we're at in life right now, what do we want? Where I'm at right now and where you're at in life right now, what is our want and what is our desire? Now, obviously, the answer for all of us would vary to some extent. But I want us to think about this, that as we mature and as we grow in our spiritual lives, our greatest desire in life should be this. God, I just want to walk with you. God, when I rise up in the morning and as I go throughout my day and as I live my life, God, I just want to walk with you. God, I want to be with you and I want you to accompany me. I want you to be there with me. God, I want to walk with you as I go throughout the days of my life. That is what our desire should be as children of God. I understand that maybe in the early years of our Christianity, we didn't understand the significance of it. In the early days of our walk with God, we didn't understand the importance of it. And so as a result of immaturity in our spiritual lives, we may have been attracted to this, and we may still have been drawn to this, and this may have still gotten our attention, and we still may have been impressed by this, and so many other things may have been pulling at us, but, but there should come a point in our spiritual lives that we come to this awareness that, God, all I want to do is walk with you and live for you. God, I don't want anything other than that because in the end, that is the most important thing that could be said of me. God, I just want to walk with you. Why is that so important? It is so important for this reason that if we walk with God, then everything else will fall into the place it needs to fall into. If I walk with God like I'm supposed to, my marriage will be what it's supposed to be. If I walk with God like I'm supposed to and like I need to, my relationship with my kids and my family will be what it's supposed to. If I walk with God like I'm supposed to, my relationship with, with church family will be what it's supposed to. If I walk with God like I'm supposed to, everything will find its proper place. There is nothing more important than us walking with God. That should be our heart's desire. 
And God, the things of this world no longer impress me like they once did. In fact, it's a lot harder for the things of this world to impress me like they used to. Can you imagine if our testimony was such that we walked with God in such a way that it could be said that we pleased him? That we brought joy and gladness and pleasure to God? If we walk with God, that will be the result that we get. That our lives are pleasing to him. Now tonight, I'm going to assume the best of all of us, though I know this isn't true. I'm going to assume that all of us would say, that's my desire is to walk with God. When I get up in the morning, I just want to walk with God. Whenever I go throughout my day, I just want to walk with God. Somebody may say, well, Brother Kyle, why would you say it's not true of everyone? Because I know it's not true of everyone. Not everyone really cares about walking with God. There are people in this room, it's really not an issue for them. It's really not a concern of theirs. It's not anything that drives them or anything that motivates them. But, but we'll not worry about them tonight. We'll just focus on those who would say, you know, Brother Kyle, I really do just want to walk with God. And in light of that, I, I just want to make some practical, practical points that I hope are a help to us tonight. And this may be so practical and so simple that you say, I didn't even need this, and that's fine. But I did. If I want to walk with God, and if you want to walk with God, there are some things that we need to be reminded of that we have all learned throughout the walk thus far. But to hear it again may be a help. And the first thing that I want to remind us of tonight is this. Is that a lot of times our walk with God will be nothing more than an act of obedience. Doing what needs to be done because we know it just needs to be done. You know, it's kind of like going for that three mile walk that I'm not real excited about. I just know it needs to be done. Let's just be honest. Sometimes that's the way the Christian life is, and there is nothing wrong with it. If we're going to walk with God, sometimes we're going to do what needs to be done for no other reason than we know it needs to be done. Why am I going to read my Bible today? Maybe not because I'm excited and thrilled and overjoyed about the process today, but I know I need to be in the Word if I am going to walk with God. Sometimes I'm going to pray not because that's what I'm necessarily wanting to do, but I know it needs to be done, and there's nothing wrong with that being the motivation behind my prayer life. I don't have to go into my prayer time every day with the exact same emotion, the exact same excitement, but I do need to be obedient to spend that time in prayer because it's the right thing to do. I've said this before, I'll say it again, and I think some of you can relate to this. 
my flesh doesn't always want to be in church. You know, I mean, there are times that I could look at my schedule and think, you know, I could do something else on a Wednesday night. I could do something else on a Sunday night or, or I, I could enjoy sleeping in on a Sunday morning. But you know what? It's the right thing to do. It's the right place to be. It's where I need to be. And so there are going to be times I'm going to be in the house of God because I know it's right, not because I'm necessarily enjoying the process. Sometimes we don't want to give, but it's the right thing to do. Sometimes we don't want to serve, but it's the right thing to do. Sometimes we don't want to be kind and thoughtful and compassionate, but it's the right thing to do. I'm trying to remind us that if we want to have this testimony of walking with God, sometimes we'll do what's right, not because we're real excited about it, but because we know it's right, and there's nothing wrong with that being our motivation. Just doing it because I know I need to be doing it. You know this as well as I do, though. There are far too many people, they want to walk with God. They just want to do it on their terms. That's not how the Christian life works. We don't walk with God on our terms. We walk with God on His terms, and it won't always be fun. But I have learned this. Sometimes in this walk with God, it's like God just makes it especially special for us. Have you ever noticed that sometimes in our walk with God, it's like there's just an extra shot of joy or an extra shot of gladness? And, and it's not because all of a sudden you got right with God. It's just, it, it's like he's just let us have those moments where we're strolling. And we're just remembering the goodness of God. We're just remembering the blessings of God. And in those moments, it's good and it's enjoyable and it's refreshing. Sometimes in this walk with God, we've got to remember this, that sometimes it just seems easy. Have you ever had those days or weeks or months, however long the span would be, that it just seemed like living the Christian life was easy? You know, you're thinking to yourself, who wouldn't want to do this? You know, I'm actually reading a part of the Bible I understand. I like that. I've actually seen some prayers answered recently, and, and I like that. And, and I'm seeing the financial benefits of being obedient to give when I didn't have it earlier to give. And, oh, I like that. And you're seeing the benefit of being in the house of God. You're seeing the benefit of, of being obedient. And, and so it's like God is making everything easy it's a wonderful time to walk with God then, isn't it? But here's what we also know. Sometimes it's not easy to walk with God. Sometimes it seems like everything that could work against us is working against us. And here's the thing, if we're going to walk with God, we have to walk with God even when it's hard. I don't mean just an act of obedience, but when everything is working against us to be obedient. Here's Enoch, and he has this testimony that he pleased God. How did he do this? Because he just got up each day and said, Lord, I just want to walk with you. At the age of 365, it was like the Lord said, okay, it's long enough, you're done. You can come to glory. 
What's my point? My point is this. If we want to walk with God, we've got to do it each day until God says that's enough. You can come home. So tonight I'm just going to ask the question one more time. Do you really want to walk with God? Is it really a desire of yours to walk with God? Or do you just kind of want to associate with the things of God, but not really walk with Him? Friends, if that's your attitude, if that's your spirit, that will get you nowhere in your Christian life. Do you want to walk with Him? Brother Kyle, of course I want to walk with Him. All right, then let's remember, it won't always be exciting. Sometimes it will be. Sometimes it'll be easy. And sometimes it'll be hard. But no matter the conditions, we've got to just keep walking with him until we enter eternity. If we do that, we'll be so glad when we stand before God. But if we choose to kind of hit and miss and in and out and not really be serious about it, we'll have great regret when we stand before him.